Well, welcome everybody to our fourth and final week of our Eternity Q&A podcast. Pastor Josh here with Pastor Hutch and just trying to wrap things up well for you. Appreciate it taking your questions and as we talked on Sunday about the end of time, the end of the world, the coming of Christ, we've got some questions that tie in well with that. So let's jump into them, Pastor Hudge. Yeah, let's do it. Um, first question then with the Apostles' Creed. Uh, we see that our creed says that when Jesus returns, when he comes back, it is to judge the living and the dead. And the question is, aren't the dead already judged when they die? And the short of that would be, yes. Yep. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a variety of ways that the Bible <laughs> talks about judgment. And uh, judgment from a, a standpoint of declared to be in the right or mm-hmm. declared to be in the wrong. And so ultimately you can even go back to John three sixteen where God's heart is not a heart of wrath or judgment, but it's a heart of love, and he desires not to condemn the world, but to save the world, which is why he sent Jesus. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, good Lutherans talk in terms of law and gospel, and uh, so I guess in the end, the judgment is, are, are we choosing to have lived underneath the gospel mm-hmm. uh, or outside of the gospel outside of that relationship with Christ, and depending on that, either we've already been judged um, in in our relationship with Christ, in His choosing us and um, being joined to Him in baptism, mm-hmm. and the judgment you know that Christ uh, works for us and and uh, for the world you know, is accomplished with his death and resurrection. I mean, what I'm speaking about is the now and the not yet, that mm. God's good judgment, the fact that he's going to do justice uh, to us and to the world, um, broke into time and into history. And so there's a sense where, of course, we stand, you know, judged rightly in Christ. For those who are in Christ, uh, we have passed from death to life as uh what Jesus says in John 5. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as time goes, we are still waiting for everything to shake out. Um, but all the pieces are there. I think uh, illustration I come back to a lot or an analogy is a seed growing into a tree. And God has firmly given and planted the seed of his salvation, uh, heaven on earth and in us and, you know, we are growing into that reality one day. And, you know, if it's like a tree and, and we behold how this kingdom and our lives have blossomed, it, you know, that it's going to be good. And we're just waiting for that to happen, I guess, in time for eternity to break in one last time uh, into history. And so just talking of it in terms of I like that, you know, it starts somewhere, the seed right. it continues to grow. So there's a, a progressiveness to yeah. uh, God's judgment, God's justice. Again, mm-hmm. that's a good term for describing what judgment is. We do know uh, Hebrews 9.27 says we're destined to die once yep. and then to face the judgment. Right. So there is a judgment that happens 
after we die, but is it something to be scared of? No. Terrified of? For some? For some, maybe. But for us as um, believers, uh, the judgment has already been applied to us. Yeah. We've already been declared to be in the right with God through what Christ has done, Second Corinthians 5. God made him who knew no sin to right. become sin so that we might become the righteousness, judged to be in the right yeah. with God. Now, at the same time, it does talk about the day of the Lord as mm-hmm. this fierce judgment where uh, some people, that's, that's going to be a, a rude awakening yeah. for them. So there's judgment that has happened, is happening, will happen after death, yeah. and then ultimately at the second coming of Christ, which I think there the added layer to that would be uh, in the book of Revelation chapter 20, it kind of talks about two different books. Mm. And there's the book of life. And in that, our name is written down. And so we are declared to be in the right with God. And you want your name in the book of life. But then there's also another set of books where our deeds are recorded. And the Bible is clear that we'll be judged on the basis of what we've done. Even Second Corinthians 5 uh, says that we'll be judged for what we've done in the body, whether for good or for evil. So there's some sort of coming judgment which comes in the in in the return of Christ. But there I did a little bit of looking, and the Greek word for judgment there is the word bima, which mm. is for uh, a podium at the ancient Olympics. Oh, so there's uh, there's some level of rewards that will be received sure. in that. It's not like, oh, you're you're not going to be included. You're going right. to be included. It's just what, what type of rewards are there. And I think we've yeah. covered the rewards in the past on the podcast as well. Yeah, so I think we answered that unless you want to tie it up, but that's, uh, that's pretty good, I think. So next question, and <clears throat> I'm going to let you take the lead in responding to this one initially. I had someone talk to me and said, I'm a little bit confused because I thought when we died, we went to heaven. And yet throughout this eternity series, you've been talking about Jesus coming back to bring heaven to earth and to set up his rule and reign here on earth. Yeah. Explain that a little bit more. Yeah, I think for me, um, the, the easiest way to define heaven is simply... God's space, uh, where God is. Um, Which would be not so far away. Yeah, we know, right? The kingdom of God is in your midst. Um, For sure, that's in the Luke gospel. Um, So, yes, when we die, uh, those that are in Christ and in faith, uh, surely uh, we are in heaven, Paul says, whether we live or whether we die, we do it unto the Lord. Um, so that is where we're going. That is a good place, and we want to be in heaven. And yeah, we we're want... not trying to take anything away no. from what heaven is. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who have that as a sure and certain hope for you, and you yes. long to be in heaven with Jesus, we echo that. We, too, long to be in heaven with Jesus. We just want to make sure that you know there's more to the story. Yeah. Uh, one of our favorite theologians, N.T. Wright, yes. as he has fleshed out the totality of what the scriptures say here. And sometimes there's verses that we forget about, so we're going to bring some of those up. But he talks about there's life after death, 
Yep. But then there's life after, life that's, after death. Right. And that's... That's, that's the, the life that is to come, right? The world that is to come. And that's what we speak of in the creed, too. Yep. Um, and so, uh, so the... You know, that this question is answered with uh, abounding grace and more. Heaven is awesome. That is where God is. That's where we'll be. Um, and even more so, uh, heaven is going to, you know, when it comes to earth, it's, you know, it's an explosion of this, of a new heavens and a new earth. And it's even, in, in a way, I think, even a gr- a greater than simply heaven like right now. So if I died today and went to heaven... I'd be very happy and at peace, but I would also know that there's actually more to come. And that is cool. I mean, to me, that stirs my imagination. So, I think it's making sure that we're rooted in a theology uh, that is physical, yes, that is earthy, that is bodily. Mm-hmm. And you look at the consistency of the biblical story. So from beginning where God creates the heavens of the earth yeah. and, and, and God walks with Adam and Eve and God creates Adam and Eve and it says that he took the dust from the ground and he breathed life into them and yeah. you know so we are physical and spiritual and yeah. Jesus when he came his incarnation was body he was fully yeah. God fully human yeah. his resurrection was not just a <clears throat> spiritual resurrection it was a physical mm-hmm. resurrection. And so there's just this consistency throughout scripture where yeah. our hope is ultimately an earthly hope. And uh, some verses that back that up, Acts 3:21, he must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything. Or in, in the book of Revelation, it says that you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on earth. So there's there's right. an earthly dimension to heaven. I remember when, you can actually teach this to kids. I remember teaching my kids this when they were really young. And kids just kind of seemed to get it. And I remember my oldest, she was maybe four years old at the time. And we were actually talking about this in preschool. And she said, so it's kind of like an earthly heaven. Yeah. And I said, yeah, it, it's an earthly heaven. It's a heavenly earth. It's yeah. a... a Whichever word you want to put in front of the yeah. other, it's all of that mm-hmm. together. So yes and yes, when we die, we go to heaven, and Jesus is coming back to bring heaven back to earth to rule and reign. So, um, and there's the progression. You know, we are in this intermediate stage, and and uh, we all have to face death, but. That's not the end, and and heaven alone isn't the end, but the end goal is heaven and earth awesomely united with Christ and the Father all at the center of it. So, Have you noticed that throughout this series, too, we've had some of those funerals at church? I mean, it's kind of been a busy season for us with funerals. Yeah. I think we've had seven of them in the last... Short amount two, of time. Two and a half months. It's, it's at the same time, this is the hope that we get to share mm-hmm. with people. And I know that's, you speak to that quite well when you're doing funerals. And you get a chance to sort out some theology pieces with yeah. families in those moments. Yeah. And do it in a very comforting, reassuring way. Thank you. Yeah, I actually, uh, that's one of my uh, not favorite 
per se, but uh, one of my, the, the most privileged and in a way uh, blessed time because when you actually are facing that loss and you've lost a loved one, it's, I feel honestly as a pastor, it's easy to share the hope because it's so real to me and I get to share that. So I think, I think our people hear that comfort and mm-hmm. I, I'm very blessed with how we handle our funerals here at St. John's. So the next question, this actually comes out of my confirmation class. Yeah. One of the students said, so my grandma believes in this thing called the rapture. Uh, what do we think of that as Lutherans? And you, you spoke to this a little bit this last week in your I sermon. I to, yes. You referenced the, the Left Behind series, really yeah. super popular, what, 15-ish yeah. years, years ago. ago. Like eight books and movies. I don't even know how many. And, and so the whole concept there of the rapture that some people are going to be seized or snatched or taken. Yeah. And, you know, whether they're on an airplane and all of a sudden the rapture <laughs> happens and, whoa, all their clothes are left, but right. they're completely gone. So what? Yeah. Um you know, maybe it's uh, it is as far as I understand it. It's a pretty uniquely American uh, uh, theology that has really grasped hold of it, even though it originated in Ireland. Um, a couple hundred years ago. Yeah, eighteen hundreds. Um, I think there might have been one or two old uh, comments by some church fathers about that word and the you know being caught up into the air, but nothing like this long drawn out theology, which is also rooted pretty heavily in Revelation, which is the last, if, if you had to, it's the last category of importance. We build doctrine on the Gospels and Paul's letters, and then other scriptures uh, like Revelation or a random, uh, even the book of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Um, then we bring those in and help them color. But the basic doctrines come from the Gospels and from Paul. And so Revelation, uh, when you build a whole system of understanding and theology off of Revelation, which to my understanding, it's very largely connected to that, uh, that we should be wary of that. Um, Yeah, I think when you look at what Jesus said in the Gospels about his second coming, he just said, I'm I'm coming again. Yeah. And and he didn't get into, I'm going to come once and then I'm going to come again. Yeah. It's just, I, I'm I'm going to heaven and I'm going to come again. And even in his ascension, yeah. you know, you're going to see him coming on the clouds. You're going yeah. to see him returning in the same way in which he left. So it's not really caught up into the details of that. And even yeah. when you look at Paul's theology, as you said, so if we're looking at this, what do the Gospels say? Now, what do Paul's letters say? Right. You talked about this one verse, 1 Thessalonians 4, yes. 16 and 17, which... Again, if you're going to build an entire theology on one verse, Scripture interprets Scripture, so let's make sure that we're really fleshing it out all together. Okay. And and he uses this phrase of, you know, we'll be raptured, we'll be caught up together with him in the air. Tell me, how did you explain that again? on Sunday. What was the context for that historically? Yeah, again, this is all uh, just coming from N.T. Wright, who is 
a theologian and a uh, Anglican uh, bishop and preacher, but uh, by trade really is a historian. And he's done so much good work on just the context of the first century, of first century Judaism. You know, what are the images that were shaping their common culture? Uh, what are the certain scriptures that were maybe being used regularly, you know, in that time period? And as he looks at that, um, also the context uh, of a the world was ruled by Rome at that time, and Paul was quite often speaking to Roman citizens and Gentiles. And the image is a very common image, and it's a city going out, uh, opening the gates and lining the streets to receive a returning victor or a king. And that is very basically the image that Paul uses. Um, uh, it would almost be like if, if you're waiting for somebody to come to your house. Yeah. And maybe you remember these moments as a kid, or maybe your kids have done this where they're all at the windows. Yeah, for sure. And they're just watching out the door. Yeah. And you say, so-and-so is here, and they run downstairs, yeah. and they open the door, and they run out to the car, and even before they can get the car doors open, they're, like, so excited to see them. But then it's not so they hop in the car and they leave. Mm-hmm. It's so that they can welcome them into their house. Yeah. So there again, there's a parallel image. It's you leave in order to come back. Right. Yeah, and and I, you know, it's uh, the Bible is the most complicated, beautiful, uh, un- uh, unbelievable uh, book that's compiled. That you know, written over thousands of years, and we are still learning um, the contexts of of when these books were written and and there's just so much to learn and so i just want to say we shouldn't be like surprised that we're still coloring the picture you know where there's lots of flavors lots of images that we need to make sure are rooted in the right context and and i think in church history we we went away from sort of the Jewish culture and setting. There was a, you know, it was a tough split there. You know, that was not an easy thing. Um, the first Christians were Jewish. And so you'll read the New Testament and the issues that keep coming up are the differences of how, how now are the Jews and Gentiles supposed to be one people. And over history, uh, at least especially here in the Western uh, Christian church, we lost connection with um, some of the Jewish roots, and there are reasons for that, and they're human, and they're sinful, and they're imperfect, but I think we're recovering some of that. So um, even some of the Messianic Jews, you know, are, are are growing, honestly, and finding connections with them. And as we do that, I think it's helped to recolor how we understand the scriptures, and um, yeah, so I think we had the image there wrong for a while, but and this is this is the joy for us as pastors, as lovers of God's word and a desire to teach that well. I love being able to dig into the history. I love being able to right. dig into the literary context. Just what do the words mean then yes. so that we can then interpret that yep. for the lives of people now. And there's just a lot in one little word, the word rapture. What does that mean? And we're not going to adequately answer everything here, but I do want to just share a resource with people if they want to dig into this more. 
our church body, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, has something called the CTCR, the Commission on Theology and Church Relations. And every year or so, they are putting out a document responding to people's questions. Where do we stand on this? Uh, Almost Mm -hmm. like a drawn-out podcast, only a lot more work put into it. And there is one that's simply called the Lutheran Response to the Left Behind series. These are free. You can do a Google search. They're on the lcms.org website. You'll be able to find that. There's another one that came out 30 years ago simply called The End Times. Mm -hmm. So other people far smarter than us have attended to these things. A lot of the answers that we're getting are coming from these booklets as well. So one one final question here, okay. Dan. This was someone walking out of church on Sunday. He said, I forgot to write down my question, yeah. but I'm wondering what you guys think. Has the Antichrist been born yet? And the first response to that is, which Antichrist are we talking about? Because uh, uh, St. John in uh, his epistles speaks about many Antichrists. Yeah, First John two eighteen, I think is just a reference, probably that's clearest in talking about the Antichrist. And he says, many Antichrists have come, and the Antichrist is coming. Yeah, and so and then there's this character that's known as the Antichrist. Um, interesting fact: the word Antichrist it does not even is not even used in the Book of Revelation. Um, yeah, it talks about the which beast. you would th- yeah the beast uh, a false pro- prophet. Then there's another beast. There's more than one. Then there's the dragon, who's Satan, who's empowering these beasts. But yeah, I, because I, I asked you the question, so is the Antichrist Satan incarnate? And you, we, we hashed through that one to say, no, it's not really Satan incarnate, but it is you know, empower, Satan empowered. I like the way that you yeah. phrase that. But there's just, you're right, there's so many different layers to this yeah. and so many different references to recognize, man, Satan is at work. Yeah, that's world. true. It's true, and will be, and crazy times are coming, you know, great tribulations, and the things that Revelation are getting at, you know, things are going to go down, um, and how we uh, try to plan that out and say it's going to happen in this order, um, you know, especially if you build that off the book of Revelations, a very slippery it's not very firm grounding. It's it's a very difficult book to, I think, understand well. And I think we were saying we even have to admit that uh, I have not put a lot of time into studying into the book of Revelation because for me, as I'm dealing with life here and now, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to, to, I'm not worried about how it's all going to shake out yet. I'm worried about dealing with life today and who mm-hmm. I need to help. And so that's, uh, I still want to find more time to dig into that. Um, but it is just, we just need to be careful and realize, like you said, there's lots of phrases and images. And I mean, if you just pull out some of the lines from Revelation, say, here, tell me what this means, uh, we're all going to be a little confused. Yeah, it's welcome really... to my <laughs> confirmation class yeah. this morning. We're wrapping up. We do a New Testament reading plan with the eighth graders. <laughs> we're wrapping up the book of Revelation, and I said, all right, I just have to be honest with you. You're going to ask me these questions. I don't know that I'm going to have 
great answers for you. I understand the book of Revelation from a broad sweeping strokes, but when you look at all the details and is everything literal and can you match it up on a one-to-one level with historical realities or is it simply meant to remind the readers that Satan is at work in the world, there is a war which is being waged, but when you lift your eyes up and look into eternity, God is on the throne, God is in control, Jesus wins, he's going to sort it all out, he's going to set it all right, and and don't get caught up in the details, Uh, remember what the big picture is. And for me, every time I read through the book of Revelation or teach through it, I can get caught up in the details, and I, I guess what if the Antichrist has been born, and the Antichrist meaning this person who sets themselves up uh, as opposed to God, someone who is desiring worship, someone who is teaching falsely, someone who is deceiving others, mm-hmm. well, that should just bring me back to this place of, looking to Christ. I mean, the Antichrist is anyone who sets themselves up against Christ. I know we live in a world where there are so many things that are set up mm-hmm. opposed to Christ. So what am I to do? I'm to take every thought captive to Christ, to his word, and come back to that, no matter how scary or subtle Satan happens to work yeah. in the world. We know that he works in a variety of ways. And I, I think, uh, you know, asking if he's been born yet is it's not exactly asking the right question. Um, but um, as I think I kind of said on Sunday, when it does come down to the real end times, we're saying, you know, three, four or five years before uh, Jesus is planning to come back, um, there are going to be some wild things that happen and and. Paul himself says that uh, in this, uh, his Second Thessalonians letter, um, and so it does say this. And he, there he's called uh, the man of lawlessness. Before that, a, a rebellion comes first, a big rebellion, I guess, against God. And the man of lawlessness is revealed. He's called the son of perdition. Opposes himself against every other God, proclaims himself to be God. That's pretty intense. Mm. The world history stage is going to have to be pretty darn intense for that to be happening. So I don't think we're exactly there yet. Um, you know, and and then he says, so this is all happening at the end, the really end times. The lawless one's going to be revealed, uh, whom Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. So. That does all happen. The final sort of antichrist, if we want to highlight that character, um, is a ways out. If uh, if I can say there's still a bit of time before Jesus is coming, but I don't know that also. So, yeah, there's a lot of things that we don't. There's know. a lot of stuff going on in the world too that we don't always, you know, see um, yeah, going on behind closed doors. You know, there are powers of evil that try to run the world. You know, I, I think of the game of chess and. You know there are there are different players mm-hmm. in that. There are yeah. different pawns that are being used, and and ultimately, in the end, I mean, Satan is is maneuvering his way uh, around the chessboard, and and God is also at work. And in the end, we know that whoever the Antichrist is, this 
king that sets himself up as opposed to Jesus, the ultimate king. Mm-hmm. In the end, guess who gets told checkmate? Yeah, <laughs> he does. He does. The devil does as well. So right now, we're left to try to sort out, hey, is that just a pawn or is that a rook? Or, you know, what what role is he playing? So Mm -hmm. is that the man of lawlessness, the false prophet, the Antichrist, one of the Antichrists? And this has been going on for all the way back to the book of Revelation to this time. You know, there are people who the Roman Empire, Caesar, Mm -hmm. you know, setting himself up as, I think if you had asked them, they'd say that's who the Antichrist is. Is and right. then you look at the Lutheran Reformation and and Luther pinpointed the the papacy in general, just yeah. that whole system, and said that's the Antichrist. You look at the mm-hmm. Lutheran Confession; it speaks to that. Now we live in a world where you know somebody is, and we're not going to point fingers at who it is, but I, I guarantee you, you talk to some people, some Christians, and they'll start naming names as right. far as well. I think this person is the Antichrist, or this government is, and I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, to answer the question outright, you know, yeah, I don't know if he's been born yet. You know, how how old is he going to be when it all goes down? One thing I have thought of, though, is as I look at history, um, it's sort of, uh, you know, spiraling faster and faster. Uh, technology and the world of industry um, things are moving at a rapid pace, so I wonder uh, for my children uh, if they uh, live to be 70 or 80, a lot could happen in our world before then. And uh, so we do need to be prepared, as I said on Sunday, um, to be alert about our own hearts that we're not shaken at all and we're focused on our Lord and discerning the world around us and paying attention to it and praying for it. And if we're doing that, I think we'll. Well, I don't think I know. Uh, We are children of light, and so we're not going to be surprised as the times grow closer. We're going to understand what's going on, and we're going to know, you know, (laughs) you're with Jesus or you're not, you know. There's not going to be denominations in that day, I think. It's going to be, let's gather together and and pray and wait, and, you know, that'll be be okay. We'll get through it (laughs) somehow. That's what God promises. So it's a good good final word so we're going to wrap it yeah. at that and I, I, I hope that these podcasts have been an encouragement to you I hope that it's encouraged you to ask your questions and to continue to this is really the cadence of preaching is mm-hmm. that you hear a word and it causes you to consider something and maybe to engage in a conversation or to ask a question so we hope you'll continue to do that with us in some way, shape, or form, pull us aside, shoot us an email, let us know what your questions are, and we'll continue to bring you back to the truth of God's Word as much clarity as we have there. Amen. Alrighty. Thanks, guys.